episode 770. On Wednesday, NFL teams can begin applying the franchise tag. But do the Packers realistically have anyone worth tagging? We'll ask Gary Zillavy of thepowersweep.com. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Good morning, Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV. I'm your host, Brian Kirivu, and you're listening to the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. Today, we're talking about the franchise tag, and to do that, we have a guest joining us on the line today. Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, okay? We have Gary Zillavy of ThePowerSweep.com. Mr. Zillavy, how are you today? I'm great, Brian. Glad to be here. Really looking forward to this. Thanks for joining us. Um, Gary, I recently saw the Power Sweep became part of the WTMJ mobile network of podcasts. I think maybe that's a good place to start our conversation to give our readers some background about your show and that partnership and what it's like to be part of that media company that's the flagship station for the Packers radio network. Well, I appreciate that. So the Power Sweep is a, a combination of both myself and John Meerdink, who spent a good bit of time working for uh, 620 WTMJ uh, as, a, as a broadcaster for him, um, an on-air personality. And, uh, he, he and his wife moved to Bloomington, Indiana uh, uh, about a year ago, and um, John and I have been friends since college, and uh, growing up in Green Bay myself, we've, uh, we've just kind of became, well, we've always been Packer fans, and, and uh, our Facebook conversations kind of morphed into what became the power sweep and our podcast on, on WTMJ mobile. So uh, it's a, it's an awesome opportunity to be a part of, of, of a network where, you know, you've, you're, like you said, it's the, the flagship station for the Packers radio network. It's a, it's a huge blessing. And uh, I, you know, we just try to try to do our best and, and try to just touch a little bit um, on, on, on the headlines and talk on a, a subject every day. That's very cool. I know that's a new initiative for WTMJ, kind of creating that podcast network. So best of luck with that. But Garrett, we got a lot of football to talk here. With Wednesday being the first day for NFL teams to apply the franchise tag, I kind of want to start with the player the Packers avoided giving the franchise tag to when they signed David Bakhtiari to a contract extension at the beginning of the 2016 season. How important was that for the Packers to get that deal done before he became a free agent? I think it was huge because Bakhtiari's been a tackle that's been healthy throughout the mo- throughout his NFL career. He's a young dude, and really, he's stepped into that left tackle role and been absolutely solid with. With Bakhtiari's contract extension, it just gives the Packers a lot of flexibility where, in my opinion, I don't think any of their free agents um, this offseason are, are mission critical to keeping in order to have a successful 2017. 
Yeah, and, and we're going to get to those players here. The, the the Packers player that figures to get the most money this offseason would appear to be Nick Perry. But with the linebacker franchise tag being more than $14 million, it seems like the Packers probably would let him leave as a free agent rather than tag him, wouldn't you think? I'd have to believe so too, Brian. It, it, I love Nick Perry. Um, I, I think he's a. I think he's a really good linebacker. But uh, when you sign Nick Perry, you're almost signing up for uh, a hand club for half of the year. <laughs> it seems like in recent years. Um, and I, I just, I don't know how many uh, games we're going to get of him against the Detroit Lions early in the season when he kind of took over. Uh, that game had a couple sacks on Stafford, and I don't know how many of those we're going to get versus you know what we saw in the back half of the year when he had his had his club on. Fourteen million is a heck of a lot to pay. That's that's about what we're play, paying Clay Matthews, um, and I just I can't see allocating about you know ten percent of your salary cap to a player that you know when he was when he wasn't on the field the Packers were no better or worse in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I, I know Pete Doherty of the Green Bay Press Gazette estimated that Nick Perry will get roughly $8 million, and he kind of said, we had him on the show, he's like, I'm just throwing out a guess, but it's in that neighborhood. So at, at least the franchise tag would seem unlikely. But I do have a similar question for you, Gary, on Jared Cook. Wouldn't even the transition tag for tight ends, that's that's over $8 million. Wouldn't that even be too expensive for a player that earned, I think Cook had a contract that paid him $2.7 million last season? It's an interesting, Jared Cook is a really interesting case. $8 million feels really steep. And when you say Jared Cook, $8 million, it kind of, ooh, oh. Um, <laughs> but when you look at the, the tight end market, You've got Jimmy Graham at about ten million, Jordan Reed, Julius Thomas at nine, Gronkowski's around there too. At times when Jared Cook was healthy and when Aaron Rodgers was throwing to him, he was, you know, pretty close to the impact that that those tight ends had. I, I think the the transition take seems steep. Eight million doesn't feel like a, a great number to have Jared Cook at. I don't know if Jared Cook is going to be so in demand because statistically it wasn't like he exploded with the Packers in a way where he hadn't with St. Louis or Tennessee before. Uh, I think that he just benefited from a quarterback who was accurate. So I'm, I, my, if I'm going to put on my Ted Thompson ski mask, <laughs> I would, I would refuse the, the transition tag on Cook and, um, let it let it ride and see see what happens in the beginning of free agency. Yeah, certainly all these players can re-sign without without having to tag them. We'll see how it plays out. Uh, Gary, we we know T.J. Lang is set to become a free agent. We also know he's probably unlikely to get a franchise tag. But you know what? The the cost of the franchise tag for offensive linemen is influenced so heavily by offensive tackles receiving so much money compared to guards and centers. Just for conversation's sake, do you think the NFL should have a separate category for guards and centers as opposed to tackles? I certainly do. I think that makes a lot of sense. There's so much specialization in the NFL nowadays. When when you think about, you know, now even 
offensive line or even outside linebackers, for example, you know, we were talking about Nick Perry and Clay Matthews earlier. The position, you've got that kind of elephant-type role that Dayton Jones plays and Julius Peppers play. There's so much specialization in football nowadays that it seems a little archaic to just have one tag for, uh, you know, for the entire offensive line. Now, you know, if you're the, if you're the players, I think you like having one tag for all offensive linemen because the rising tide of, of offensive tackles lifts all boats. You know, you saw Alex Max get a really big contract as a center. Um, Max Unger is a, is a highly paid center, but I, I'd like to see it. Uh, I think that not having a separate tag for guards and centers certainly makes the market a little harder to, to flesh out for TJ Lang. Um, you know, you, you got to look at Sitton's contract uh, a little bit with, with Chicago as, a, as an indicator. But overall, you know, it, it seems like a slam dunk that they should do a separate tag for it. But then again, there's a lot of things that seem like a slam dunk for the NFL, but they're slow to adopt. Yeah, it's been that way for years, and they don't they don't uh, recognize between inside and outside linebackers as well. I don't really know why, but anyway, speaking of TJ Lang, Gary, we learned this week through a radio interview he did that he hasn't been in contact with the Packers since the season ended. Is there any reason for concern there? I don't think so. I think that. Green Bay, when you read the tea leaves of free agency the past few years, contextually, the Packers aren't very quick to go out and contact even their own guys. Um, I remember last year there was an unrestricted free agent that ended up signing with Chicago, Danny Gervaisen, a linebacker who said openly he wanted the Packers to contact him, and, and they never did. So, And when they signed Julius Peppers, it was completely out of the blue. Mm-hmm. I feel like the, the Packers front office and the way they conduct their free agent negotiation is a bit like when the Vatican selects a new Pope. <laughs> Nobody really knows. There's just a cloud of white smoke and, and all of a sudden, you know, the free agent appears. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think there's a reason for concern. Uh, I think that Lang is, is most likely going to make it to, to free agency and, and perhaps as far as, as the draft in terms of, of the calendar here, um, and, and he said openly he wants to be back in Green Bay. If he really means that, I think he's going to hold out as long as he can to see if, if Thompson is going to offer him comparable market value to what the market, to what other teams offer him. Gary, I see at the powersweep.com, you're, you're doing a series reviewing every player on the roster from last season. Can you tell us who you've recently profiled and who you're doing next? Sure. So, we're looking at every single person, like you said, even Niall Davis, even Jarrell Presley, even uh, Tim Maste and Peter Mortel. We're breaking down everybody, and uh, we're doing two a day. Uh, yesterday was uh, Aaron Rodgers. So, uh, man, it was really hard to, to evaluate Aaron Rodgers. It was like, is he amazing or is he super amazing? <laughs> um, so that one of the one of the fun little nuggets we've uncovered as we've as we've looked back on the season is just how many little memorable plays that when you think back to you know 2016 I think a lot of fans will go ah that was the year we lost to Atlanta in the NFC championship game you know but for example we were looking at Christian Ringo and trying to figure out 
you know, how Christian Ringo's season was. And we remember that awesome play he had against Seattle where he bull rushed onto the field from the sidelines and completely pancaked his guy. And so it's little moments like that that, um, you know, when you're looking at a player's year in review, it's fun to remember those and, and uh, reflect back on, on just a fun, really fun year. Absolutely. And I think I remember you telling me you, you just recorded the last episode of your podcast last night. Can we look forward to that as well? Yeah, absolutely. So our podcast, Blue 58, is available on iTunes, Google Play. Um, you can also go to our website, thepowersweep.com, and check that out. Uh, we're, we're going through the Packers season game by game. Last night we did games one through four. Spoiler alert, the Packers won three of them. So, um who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Maybe we'll change some results. I don't know. <laughs> Sounds good. Gary, thank you so much for taking some time to talk to us this morning. Greatly appreciate it. Uh, best of luck at uh, your new location there with the WTMJ Mobile. Um, and we'd love to have you on again sometime. I appreciate it, Brian. Thanks for the opportunity to be part of 770. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Take care. Gary Zillavy of the uh, uh, thepowersweep.com and uh, their their podcast Blue Blue Thirty Eight Fifty. I'm sorry, I forget off the top of my head. Anyway, uh, thanks to him for joining us. Thanks to you, the listener, for joining us as we continue on with the show. I'll try to tell you, Vince, what's going on in our Packers news segment. On Monday, guard TJ Lang told Sirius XM Radio that he, quote, hasn't heard a word from the Packers. Gary Zillavy already shared his thoughts on the topic, but this segment is for my two cents. And while that news might seem concerning to a Packers fan on the surface, especially with a Pro Bowl caliber player, let me remind you that the player that of all the players the Packers have extended just days before the start of free agency in recent seasons, that list includes Sam Shields, Randall Cobb, Brian Balaga, and Mason Crosby. And that's just, you know, in current players who have, you know, signed just in the days before the start of free agency. So, I mean, a lot can happen between now and that. I, I mean, there's there's still time. There's still the NFL combine in between, which is where the entire NFL convenes and like agents are there and, and the contract negotiator for the Packers is there. So, so much can happen in that time period. I just don't think, you know, this is a time to worry. Um, <clears throat> now, to be sure, the Packers have to make a uh, uh, this, this decision on TJ Lang and it's going to be a, a difficult one. And... This is also an opportunity for me here to answer a Twitter question I didn't get to last episode from Jeff Arndt. That's username jarndt9 on Twitter. He said he asked simply, should the Packers re-sign TJ Lang? Now, I, I'm not sure whether Jeff realized this or not when writing the question, and maybe it was unintentional, but... This is a word of warning out there to everyone, not just Jeff, that the way that question was worded places almost the entire burden on the Packers. And I want everyone to remember that free agency is a two-way street. The Packers could very well off, you know, offer Lang a contract that he rejects 
feeling like he either A, deserves more money, or B, more years on the contract. And and B is an important issue. I, I feel like A is fairly cut and dry. Um, in, in his last contract with the Packers, TJ Lang made an average of roughly $5 million per season. And I feel like that's roughly what he's going to make in his next contract, whether with the Packers or another team, maybe a little bit, give or take. Uh, but uh, I'm talking in that neighborhood. The big question is with the years on the contract, TJ Lang is currently 29 years old. And we know that once players reach that magical 30 number, you have to be very careful. That doesn't mean a player can't play over 30 years old, but you just don't want to make a major financial commitment to players over 30 once they start to regress. Then you start regretting that decision. Um, And here's one statistic about TJ Lang. He started 13 games for the Packers in 2016. That is the fewest number since he became a full-time starter in 2011. Every other year since 2011, he started at least 15 of the 16 games. Does that mean his body is breaking down, or was it just bad luck? I think the Packers know what they have in Lang, and I think he's worthy of being re-signed. But I'd like to see the Packers sign Lang to a two- or three-year contract as opposed to a four-year contract. Or at least if they sign him to a four-year contract, they can easily get out of it at the end with very little guaranteed money. So yes, I think Lang is worthy of re-signing, and I think the Packers have the cap space to do it but they can't be held hostage on on those number of years. If Lang insists on four years, then the Packers may have to move on. Or if he insists on four years, he may have to give up other aspects of the contract. Less, you know, less money, less guaranteed money, less bonus money. And these are all things we as fans will not be privy to during negotiations. We're... We're not going to know what's going to happen exactly there. So we're kind of left just to guess for ourselves. But hopefully I've kind of set some parameters there and what I think TJ Lang uh, would be worth to the Green Bay Packers and what may be fair to both sides. I I certainly am all about, you, you know, the total value kind of being somewhere in that neighborhood, like I said, of $5 million a season, give or take a little bit. Um, he's coming off, even though he started the fewest games of his career or since he became a starter in 2016, I also thought it was the best season of his career when he was out on the field, but both 2015 and 2016, he's, he's been really good. He's, he's been getting better with age all the time. Most, most certainly, um, I think he, he really took a step forward in 2015 and basically, it's he's continued that high level of play into 2016. Um, so yeah, um, 
and I also wanted to share on this show, uh, going to another topic here, some thoughts on Sam Shields. You know, when he was released by the Packers, I think I spent most of my time discussing how Shields' release will impact the team and the cornerback position and not whether it was the right or wrong thing to do. So I wanted to discuss that. In fact, Dan Lebetard of ESPN recently gained attention for expressing his annoyance, for lack of a better term, uh, that the Packers released Shields despite his lingering concussion issues. Now, Lebetard is based in Miami, in case you were wondering, Uh, why he cared about Shields and that Miami connection, I think, influenced why he might bring up the topic and not some other national talking heads, just FYI. Uh, but, But I think the Packers made the right choice. The reality is that Sam Shields has suffered four concussions, and it's not like they gave up on him after one or two concussions. That... I think wouldn't be good, but at some point you are doing this in the best interest of the player. And I think that's the case here. Look at the decisions the Packers have made over the years, letting go players like Jermichael Finley, Nick Collins, and Sean Richardson. None of them have signed with another NFL team after the Packers released them after their injury situations. Although admittedly, those were all spinal injuries but I still think we're talking four concussions here. Not one, not two, not three. We're talking four concussions here with Sam Shields. Now, if the Packers keep Shields and he suffers another concussion and spends nearly the whole season on injured reserve after you spent the whole entire offseason planning for him to be in the starting lineup and giving him all the practice reps at the expense of other players, then shame on the Packers for doing that. They want to avoid that situation, and I can't blame them. And they're also doing it in Sam Shields' best interest. At some point, there's nothing more an NFL team can do to help a player medically. It happens every single time an NFL player, when they're cut for the last time or they retire, it's unfortunate. It, it, you know, it happens with, it, it's, with Shields when he still athletically was probably able to continue his career, but that's just the way it is. Uh, you know, it happens to every NFL player. And at some point, you know, the, the burden is no longer on the Packers. You know, it's on the NFL to provide their former players with the proper, you know, uh, health insurance after their playing days. And it's improved by the NFL and the concussion lawsuit that happened uh, is, you know, retroactively helping these players who, you know, uh, had concussions in the NFL. And and then they've made steps towards, you know, research and you know it's trending in the right direction is there still more the the nfl could do for players Uh, maybe uh but that's another discussion uh i i think the packers made the right move though with sam Shields. so i i just wanted to address that aspect of the topic but just other minor packers news here uh cornerback benny ben ben wickery 
who was with the Packers on their practice squad to end the season. He, on Tuesday, signed a futures contract with the Cincinnati Bengals, according to ESPN. So that, you know, pretty much ends any chance of him re-signing with the Green I mean, it, it ends emphatically any chance of him re-signing with the Green Bay Packers, at least for the time being, uh, until he were to be released again um, at the very best. And, and, you know, it appears the Packers are just moving on there. It's too bad. I I thought he was worth a futures contract signing, uh, to see what he's got after, you know, give him an off season in the system and see what he's got. But Packers apparently felt differently and it's, I'm certainly not going to sit here and, and, uh, worry over a minor transaction like that. Uh, but finally here, congratulations to Frank Lamping, the 19th member of the Packers Hall of Fame who was announced on Tuesday in a press conference inside Lambeau Field. Um, he, he, he'll be formally inducted, I believe, when the, the Hall of Fame has its induction ceremony this summer, if I do have that correctly. So um, anyway, congratulations to him. And uh, that pretty much uh, covers our Packers news here during the off season. But the day ahead, we already discussed this, but on Wednesday, NFL teams can begin tagging players either with the franchise or with the transition tag. That doesn't mean they have to do it on Wednesday. That's just when the window opens. They have until March 1st to do so. It looks unlikely the Packers would use either the franchise or the transition tag, but you can look for other NFL teams to do so and how that impacts free agency across the league. Um, I would say the player most likely to get anything would be maybe like Jared Cook with the transition tag. And I, I can't see him getting the franchise tag. I think even the transition tag is highly unlikely. I think it's too much money for Nick Perry. I think it's too much money for TJ Lang. The Packers are just going to have to come to deals with these guys without having to use the tag. And that's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. I mean, there's all these guys out there, and that's that's not the end of them. There's other guys who have contracts that have expired. Micah Hyde is among them that you think, Packers will re-sign him, I would I would think so. Um, they got all sorts of restricted free agents. Julius Peppers' contract is up. If anything, he'll sign a one-year contract with the Packers. I don't think it's likely, but it's possible. So there's all these things to kind of look forward to with the Green Bay Packers. We'll see what happens uh, with that as we get closer to free agency in the month of March. Uh, happening after the NFL Combine, so which is kind of the next big event on the NFL's calendar. Uh, but that does it for today's episode of Railbird Central. Uh, our call to action today's show is brought to you by Beer Rock, Madison's upcoming craft beer bar, looking to open in the coming months, of which I am the prospective owner. Please give us a follow on Facebook at facebook.com slash Madison. That's spelled B-I-E-R-O-C-K. We haven't opened the doors yet, but I think uh, the proper thing to do is spread the word via social media before we do. 
so we have customers when we open the door. So please give us a follow. We'll let you know what's going on with the business. And when we're ready to go, you'll be right there with us, uh, I hope. Um, Thanks, everybody. Our next episode will be on Friday. Railbird Central airs every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 8.30 a.m. Central Time at CheeseheadTV.com. That's the live edition of the show, podcasted and on demand later on the day on iTunes, on Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can pretty much find it. So thanks so much for joining us, folks. I leave you today with a song with a song called Simple Gift of Man by Brothers Past on Psy Fidelity Records. See you later, everyone. Go, pack, go. 